James chapter 2, we're going to be looking at the last part of it in verses 14 to 26. And the main idea of this passage is the evidence of our faith. And today we're looking at the last half of James chapter 2. And this passage has brought about many questions. Questions about whether faith in God is enough to bring about salvation, or if works must be involved as well in order to receive the grace of God. So before we look at what James is saying in this passage, we must first answer how we are to receive salvation. So I'm going to take you through a couple passages that tells us and proves to us that we are saved by faith and faith alone. First, there's some passages where Jesus declared that it was the people's faith that healed them. Matthew 9.22 says, But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the whole woman, or and the woman was made whole from that hour. Matthew 15:28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Mark 2, 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. We also see Jesus declared that faith to, was the, it was faith that saved people. Luke 18:42 says, And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath, made, hath saved thee. And also we see in the epistles that the epistles declare salvation is through faith. Romans 1.17 For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Romans 3.22 Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Romans 3, verses 24 to 25, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Romans 3, 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Romans 3.30, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Romans 4.5, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Romans 4.9, cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Romans 5.1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.16 Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no man, or shall no flesh be justified. Galatians 3.11 but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And Hebrew, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, one of the most famous passages that we perhaps know on this subject. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we have all these ev- verses as evidence that salvation is not by works, but by faith in Christ alone. But the question still remains, Why is James then telling us that we must have faith with works? Is James contradicting what Paul had said in his epistles to the churches? Or in fact, are they speaking of totally different types of faith and work? 
And today I want to talk to you guys a little bit before I get into James, that Paul would go and plant all these churches wherever he went and he would write these letters to them. And when he wrote these letters, he'd make sure that these churches knew very clearly that salvation through Christ was by faith alone and not faith with works of the law. We must remember that when Paul was speaking of works, he was always talking of those of the religious laws that Israelites once had to follow. Those laws such as circumcision, keeping the Sabbath, or obeying the sacrificial laws that the priests would perform. However, in James' case, when he was speaking of works, he was speaking of charitable deeds and acts of hospitality, which we'll get to see. And the reason that James tells us we must have works with our faith is because the church had been dispersed throughout the region because of persecution. And James is now encouraging these Jewish believers to make their faith evident to the rest of the world. So you can imagine these Jewish believers who believed in Christ were now being persecuted and spread throughout the region. And uh, so James is coming to them, encouraging them, saying, Hey, you know what? I know you were all, were, were all in Jerusalem and you guys all shared your common faith with each other. And people knew in Jerusalem that there was a big congregation that believed in Christ. But now you guys are being persecuted. You guys have dispersed and you guys have had your little groups here and there. But may, I want to remind you guys that it's important to still live out that faith. You may face persecution, but God told us to live out an evidential faith. And now I'm going to read to you James 2, verses 14 all the way to 26. It says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had deceived the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's bow for a quick word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as I bring this message that you've laid on my heart, Lord, I pray that, Lord, it is indeed your message I bring across, Lord. Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be my words, Lord, but only your words that come out of my mouth. Lord, I pray that you'd use this message to encourage, Lord, and to help someone here today, Lord. And I pray that you would just use me, Lord, for your honor and your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see the first thing when we read in verse 14 is there's a question. And Paul, uh, James asks, what profit does a worthless faith have? He says, what does it profit a man? Or what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? James is once again telling the believers that we must make sure that we are being doers of the word and not hearers only. We must make sure that our faith is strongly evident in our lives. 
Verses 15 and 17, James paints a picture for us as to why we must have works with our faith. He says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? And we see in these verses that a brother and sister, he's using them as an example of, hey, there's these people in need. And you see that need and you're like, oh, I hope your need gets filled. And then you just walk on by as, and not even helping them. And you say, oh, I could help you, but I hope you get what you need. You know, and James is saying, hey, no, we need to have an evident faith. And this, and he's, uh, this illustration goes and gives an example of a faith without works. We can say all we want that we have faith, but if we never have works to show or prove that faith, then what good is it? There is no, or what profit is there in a verbal faith? There's, and the answer is that there isn't one. There is absolutely no profit in having just a verbal faith. Which is why in verse 18 he puts out a challenge, and he challenges a faith. And in these verses, James sends out a challenge to the believers. And he says, you show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith through my works. And we must realize that there is a reason that James gives out this challenge. Verse 18 says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show, me, show thee my faith by my works. One of the reasons that we must have works with our faith is because according to verse 19, the devils also believe in God. And James uses this illustration to show us that just saying that there is a God, to say we believe in God is not enough to reach this world for Christ. The world is looking for evidence, and we can talk about the evidence all we want, but if we don't show that evidence to the world through our actions, then the world will not believe it. And so he points out in verse 19, he says, Oh, you believe in God? Good for you. But guess what? The devils also believe. So pretty much he just put us on the same level of, as as the devil and as his, pe- his people that work with him saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, you say you believe in God, but you know what? The devils also know that, they, that there's a true God. So what, what, what are you doing that goes above and beyond saying, oh yeah, I believe in God. Where is that evidence of your faith? It's as if you were in a court and continue to make a certain claim, but would not present that evidence towards that claim. And if you don't present that evidence to the jury panel, which our jury panel is this world, then they cannot believe your claim and to be true and they would then just dismiss it and that'd be the end of it. So you can talk all you want saying, hey, I believe in God. I know what God did for me. This is, you know, I need to say that over again. I believe in God. I believe in God. And they say, yeah, but what good has that done for you? Where's the evidence? Where is the proof in your life? And we can say, hey, you know what? I have faith in God. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. And they're like, okay, yeah, you trusted Christ in your Savior. You say all these verses about how being a member of Christ's family makes you a new creature and He's given you a new name in heaven and all these things. But yet, you live just like one of us. There's no proof of that evidence that you're talking about. So, I'm just going to kind of disregard that. And there's two examples of faith uh, given in this passage that were made evident by their works. And the first one was Abraham. And verse 21 says, Were not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. 
And we see here that Abraham's faith was made evident when God told him to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And we see from Scripture that Abraham was willing to kill his son because he had faith that God would raise him from the dead. Hebrews 11.19 says, Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. We also know from Abraham's life that he had faith in God even before he was told to sacrifice Isaac. Remember how he was living in the land of Canaan? And God said, hey, you know what? I'm calling you out. I'm going to take you to a land that you don't know yet, but just trust me. I'm going to bring you there. And you're just going to have to, you're just going to have to trust me and have faith in me. And from you, oh, by the way, I'm going to make a great nation as well. And all the people of this world will be blessed through your nation. And we see that Abraham had to have trust in God. And he could have stood there and said, All right, God, I believe you. I, I believe you, God. You're going to do what you say. I believe you. And then what if he just stayed in Canaan? What if he just stayed in the land? I believe you're going to make a great nation of me. I believe you have a place for me to go. And he just stayed. That wouldn't show evidence of his faith. And we can say all we want that we trust in Christ and we believe in Him and we know what He's done for us and the difference He's made. But if we're not living that out, then there's no point in even telling the world that we are a Christian. Because the world doesn't want to just listen to things. They want to see facts. And as I said, we also know God told Abraham that in their old age, he and his wife Sarah would have a child. And from his seed would come a great nation. And all because Abraham put his faith in God All these things came to pass. And because of his faith, we see that he got the great title of being called the friend of God. I don't know about you, but I'd love to be able to go somewhere, maybe perhaps to a church Bible conference of some sort, and, you know, people say, you know what, I've heard that you have such a close walk with God, that, you know, you're a friend of God. And can you imagine having that testimony that, hey, you know what, this man's a friend of God. He's not just, he doesn't just know God, he doesn't just live for God, but he's a friend of God. That's a pretty amazing title, and I would love to have that title. And that's the title Abraham got because he put his faith in God. And another example he used is a Gentile example. Rahab. She was from a city that wasn't even part of the Israelites. And because of her faith in God, that she believed God was on the side of the Israelites, she was willing to risk her own life at the protection of the two spies and hid them in her house. And we see that James gives these two examples to us to show that without their works, their faith wouldn't have been evident and they wouldn't have been able to make an impact in lives if they had a fruitless faith. So Rahab could have said, you know what, I believe the God you serve is the true God and I fear the God that you believe in, but I'm still going to report you anyways. I'm not willing to risk my life for another individual. But no, she said, you know what? I believe in your God. I believe who you say your God is. I believe that's the true God. And I'm willing to prove it. I'm going to hide you guys, even though the soldiers are looking for you. I'm willing to protect you guys because I believe that your God is the true God. We see in verse 26 that a body with no life is dead, and so is a fruitless faith. He says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And we see that James ends this chapter with the reminder that just as the body without life in it is dead, the same goes for a faith that has no works or fruit to go along with it. Our faith will never make an impact in this world if there is no evidence of it in this world. 
And that is the main point James is trying to bring across, is the fact that we need to have evidence in our lives that we know and serve the true and living God. And I'm sure you maybe have heard the story of, you could bring a skeleton up here, you could put him in a suit, put him behind the pulpit, but that doesn't mean make him a pastor. That he's still a dead corpse there, just standing there. And the same goes in our lives. We can act the part. We can dress the part. We can come to church every Sunday, every time there's a service on Wednesday. And we can pretend a lot. But the fact of the matter is, if we're just here pretending for the people that we also claim to be Christians, but at our workplace we're a totally different person, then there's no fruit there. Because these people here in church believe the same thing and you're not working it out, your salvation, with amongst the world. And they're the ones that are looking and searching. And yes, people here need encouragement and they need the gospel as well. But people out there are looking at you and saying, Hey, you say a Christian. You say you're a Christian. You go to church every Sunday, which is what Christians supposedly do. But yet at work, you're totally different. I don't know if it's this, it does, I don't know if it matters. Because I can go to church too. But if I just live the life I want to, what is the difference? It doesn't matter. And the fact of the matter is that the Bible tells us we are supposed to be a new creature. There's supposed to be a change. There's supposed to be a separation from the world. And we are supposed to live that out through our lives. Now, I have a few points on how we can live in evidence faith. And number one, obviously, is that we first need faith. Before we can live in evidence life, we must first put our faith in the right place which is in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. From this verse, we see that God loves us so much that He was willing to give His own Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place and take upon Him the sins of the entire world so that whoever would call upon Him could be saved and spend eternal life with Him in heaven. And my friend, if you're here today and have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then I ask that you please get that taken care of today. You know, the Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. The Bible also tells us we're not promised tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. And that quickly passeth away. And so today is the day of salvation. So if you are here and aren't saved, please make that decision today. Another way we can live and evidence life is once we've accepted the true faith is to see God's faithfulness to the faithful in His Word. And there are numerous accounts of God taking care of those who kept their faith in Him. And so we can study our Bibles to see that a life that is making their faith evident in the world, God blessed them and gave them even more faith. And He promises to do the same for us as well. We can think of numerous people. We can think of, well, obviously Abraham. We can think of Isaac and Jacob continuing that, believing in that promise that God made to their father and to their grandfather. We can think of Joseph, Daniel, and all these different prophets that God used. And we can see how when they put their faith and trust in God, that God blessed them. God continued to use them. And the whole world could, was able to see God evident in their lives. And the one name that comes to mind is Daniel, because right now that's what we're teaching about in Sunday school. And we've been going through Daniel and showing how through Daniel's life, he purposed in his heart he would stay true to God. And he promised 
that he would follow God no matter what, even if there was punishment from the king. And him and his three friends made the decision. And we can see in Nebuchadnezzar's life that Nebuchadnezzar time and time again said, Hey, you know what, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Your God is the true God. And, the, and once again, then another king came on the throne. His name was Belshazzar, who was Nebuchadnezzar's son. And even though he had heard all these stories from Nebuchadnezzar, his father, he still came to the throne and did what he wanted. But in the end, he said, you know what? After a time when the handwriting on the wall, he said, you know what? Maybe your God is the true God. And I see that evidenced in your life, Daniel. And it's the same as us. We serve the same God Daniel did. Why can't we have the same faith Daniel did in our God? Another way that we can increase and have an evidenced faith is to recount the ways that God has already blessed us for living out our faith. I know for me, I used to live in Manitoba and when God told me to leave everything I knew and come out here to college, it was, it was kind of a scary thing. And, but, you know, and not everyone, not everyone agreed with me either, saying, you know what, you're, there's a college here, why don't you stay here and finish? And I said, well, you know what, I know what the Lord wants me to do. I really believe this is what the Lord wants me to do. And I had to take a step out in faith. And I can look back now saying, wow, the Lord has really blessed my past because I took that first step of faith. And as we continue to look back and see how the Lord has blessed us, we can continue to put our trust in God and take steps of faith to increase our faith. And as we look back, we say, wow, the Lord has blessed our lives. He's continued to work in my life. You know, there's that point in time in life where you know, I wasn't sure what God wanted me to do. I felt like this was it. And even though I couldn't see what was ahead of me, I took that step in faith. And then the Lord opened it up and I said, Oh, wow, look at that. The Lord blessed me. I see what the Lord was doing here now. And it allows us to take another step and another step. And we continue taking steps toward that goal that God wants us to have. And as we take those steps, other people in our lives see what's going on. And other people around us, you know, because of me, Coming out here, I'm able to have a great influence of, to a bunch of people I would have never met if I moved out here. I'm able to go work at McDonald's, and I'm able to reach tons of people through work. And a lot of people, they ask me continuous questions. You know, hey, you're, you're a Christian. What kind of Christian are you? Well, I'm a Baptist. Well, what does that mean? Well, here, let me tell you what a Baptist believes. Oh, so you believe this. Yeah, okay, so you're kind of like Catholic. No, no, not like Catholic. And I have to explain to them what I believe. And... Through this, I'm able to be able to witness to so many people. But I couldn't have been able to do that if I stayed home back in Manitoba. It all started with that step way back there. And for many of us here today, it started with the step way back there that has brought us to where we are today. But God doesn't want us to stay where we're at now. He wants us to take another step. And once we've taken that step, He wants us to take another step. And another step. And He wants us to continually take a step. That's why it is called a walk with God. Not just to stand with God and, okay, God, I've, you've brought me here. All right, moving to the next place. And He, you know, puts you over here. And you're like, okay, God, now I'm where you want me to be. Where, you know, move me next, you know. And, okay, I, now I'm where you want me to be. No, it's a continual walk with God that we must have. And through our walk with God, as I said, people begin to notice things. People begin to see and realize, hey, you're different. And, you know, like I said, at work, I'm able to have a testimony to so many people because they're like, hey, you know what? There's so many other people here at work that say, they claim they're Christians as well, but yet you're different. You know, they swear, they party, they smoke, they drink, yet you don't. Why? And I'm able to share the gospel with them. And it's all because I can 
look back and say, hey, you know what? I know what God did for me back there and how He's led me here. And perhaps this is another step that I can take in faith to where I'm able to be a witness to God. And so we need to continue to put our trust in God and take steps of faith to increase our faith. So we've looked at James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. It has a lot of questions, but it has a lot of truths in it too. And I hope as we are able to look at through this passage, you are able to see that while this passage brings many questions, and many people have doctrinally fought over what the true doctrine is here, whether James is fighting with Peter or with Paul, or if Paul is fighting with James, and they're both disagreeing here, but in fact, we have to realize that they are actually working in unity together. And while Peter, Paul is talking about works of the law, as I said earlier, James is talking about, hey, where's your actions at? Where's your proof that you believe in God? We also must remember we are told to preach the gospel to every creature. Well, as I said, when we live our lives the way that Christ wants us to, and we live our lives out in, uh, our lives of faith in an evidence manner, the world will see it. And we then are indeed preaching the gospel. God may not call you to stand behind a pulpit, but God has called you to live a life for Him. And that's something that we all can do. And I hope that through this, you guys have learned or have been encouraged to, hey, you know what? There's some things perhaps that I could change. I know there's certainly things in my life that I can change to where I can have a greater witness for Christ. And I pray that to you guys too, you can say, hey, you know what, God? Perhaps in this area, you could use me Lord, perhaps in this area I could take a step of faith. Lord, to where I can look back and say, hey, wow, you've blessed me. And to where other people can say, wow, you took that step from there all the way to here and the Lord's blessed you. I can see that. And we can be able to be a witness for Christ.